There's a fine line between persistence and obstinance. While persistence is the refusal to give up, obstinance is the failure to pivot. And most of the time, we fail to pivot not because of a conviction that we are on the right course, but simply because we're afraid to change course. My guest today is Brian Douglas, a.k.a. B. Dougie, the artist formerly known as the Beyonce of GitHub. He's the founder and CEO of tech startup OpenSauced, an open-source intelligence platform that empowers developers to contribute to open-source projects. But had Brian not made a critical decision to pivot at a crucial point in his career, not only would his dreams have failed to come to pass, but he would never have found the inspiration to dream them at all. And as you listen, you might just arrive at the conclusion that some of your wildest dreams are simply one pivot away from your current position. Welcome to the About the Benjamin podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Robinson. This podcast is devoted to the concepts of identity, creativity, destiny, and how to find yours. My goal is to provide you with a refreshing stream of inspiring content designed to activate you to pursue the fullness of your destiny in God. So let's go! My whole upbringing has always been like consistency. Hmm. Uh, despite my parents, they actually separated when hmm. I was uh, four. Hmm. Um, and we obviously had adversity and like we had, you know, finances were always in place. Uh, but one thing I did know growing up is that I just want to be successful. Mm. Like I want to get good grades. I want to like have some sort of established because mm. I saw how my mom always had the sort of struggle of like needing to do two or three jobs mm. and work very hard. Mm. I never wanted to have that life. So mm. fast forward, like in college, I studied finance mm. because we didn't have money growing up. So I thought if I could learn how money works, mm. I would have money. The challenge is I graduated finance in 2008 mm. at a time where nobody mm. was taking <laughs> onboarding entry-level finance people mm. or, or college students mm. unless you had a network. And I learned mm. very, very quickly that all my friends who got jobs, their dads had golf buddies or they had advisors or mm. they had folks they knew. Mm. And my parents didn't know anybody. Ended up taking, at that point, a uh, I did collections for the YMCA for people whose gym memberships expired, <laughs> making eleven sixty-seven an hour. Wow! With a college degree, mm. and uh, in two thousand eight, uh, two thousand eight. Wow! Did that for a year. It was a very humbling experience. Mm. Mm. But every time I applied for a finance role, it was always you don't have an experience. You don't. Mm. You have the degree, but it's no experience. Mm. In my entire life, it was told you just get the degree, mm. and you'll have a job. If I was a a white dude from the suburbs, I probably would have it in where they look at me and they're like, oh yeah, you've got everything checked. So let's come in. But like when they come to meet me, I remember specifically working for this company that I ended up getting a job at in sales at called Tech Data based in Clearwater, Florida. Hmm. And I interviewed there for a credit analyst position. So I did credit collections. Hmm. I had a finance degree. Hmm. And this credit analyst is kind of like a mortgage broker, but for getting loans for small businesses hmm. to buy IT equipment. Hmm. So hmm. everyone would buy like a bunch of camera equipment or Wi-Fi equipment, whatever it is, back in twenty at this time, twenty ten, hmm. um, I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a job for the life of me. Wow! And people who were getting that job were getting MBA. They had MBAs, or they had a network, or they had a connection. Hmm. And what's crazy is like I had one of my really close friends. Their mom is the one that actually got me the interview hmm. to work at that 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 company. 
Uh, but besides that, like even with that connection, I couldn't get a job for mm. the life of me. Wow. So I had tons of adversity of like just trying to break in career wise mm. that I learned, okay, well, if I can't do this, I do nothing but audible. I can mm. read books. I listen to podcasts like crazy. Mm. Years ago, I took a job in high school while playing sports at Albertsons doing, mm. being a bagger. Hmm. And I was talking to my grandpa, who had a very similar experience. Hmm. He fought in Korea, hmm. came back after the war, hmm. no GI Bill for him, because hmm. uh, he's a black individual, hmm. and uh, there were no schools taking on black individuals, as uh, uh, even with the GI Bill. Hmm. So he ended up becoming a DC cop, hmm. and did that for a couple of years. But he moved to LA hmm. at the time that LA was blowing up in the '60s, and he became a bricklayer. And he built like all of downtown LA laying bricks and he like became an expert of his craft. And what he told me, what I'm getting at is find the job where you can learn on the side. Mm. Like, so when he told me that it was a time when I was a bagger doing groceries, I was like, oh, if I'm a cashier, I can like read books in between Mm. checking groceries. So Mm. I did that. Mm. And always, every time I took a job, uh, I knew how to get my job done really quickly Mm. to the point where I could, yeah. Do all my calls that I had to do for the day, and I'd mm. have like four hours of this like podcast and mm. Pandora and like reading books at mm. work, getting paid. <laughs> and it got to the point where I eventually uh, I left that job to take the job for Tech Data. It was a it was a temp position, so like I couldn't get a real job, mm. but I can become a temp with mm. my degree. Mm. Uh, so my temp position was like um, it was like sales support mm. to put in coupons. Mm. So if you bought a lot of tech data, you buy a lot of equipment. If mm. it's in bulk, you can get a coupon applied to it. Mm. And we were processing literally. It's a they had a, a bigger word for it, but it's essentially coupons. Mm. And um, so we we're just processing these coupons for these large deals for Cisco. Mm. And uh, it was a tech wholesaler, which was tech data. And I found out while I was working on that that all the stuff was inputted in Excel. Mm. And I learned Excel in Access at all the Microsoft Suite with my college degree. So mm. I was like, oh. Let me figure out how to automate this job because I knew VB macros because Mm. in high school I took a VB course Mm. just randomly. It was like the first course of the day. What is VB macros? Uh, So Visual Basic is the underlying technology of Excel. And that's how you do all the automation for like summarizing or combining like Mm. large spreadsheets. And But because I knew Excel so well, Mm. I applied that to the job and uh, started automating all these sort of big deals from Cisco Mm. that are coming through tech data automating it like with a script that would just run in 30 seconds hmm. mind you before i started doing that it would take like an hour wow to manually input all this it was data entry that was the wow. role is essentially hmm. data entry huh so i automated what would take an hour to 30 seconds hmm. and at that time i had just got an iphone started binge watching on netflix because netflix had just come to the iphone at that time hmm. and i would just watch netflix all day hmm. and like people would be asking like hey what do you why you, you just watch netflix all day so yeah i'm running a script <laughs> and it got to the point where I was now the, the promise of being a temp is like after three to six months, you get hired full time. I did that for 11 months. Wow. Like I would constantly try to apply to other roles, get in the credit roles or get in the finance roles inside mm-hmm. the same company. Mm-hmm. But I remember distinctly, I applied for a job in an analyst role. So mm-hmm. like my last, my last course in college was a financial analyst. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I would just look at sec statements mm-hmm. And you're supposed to just identify if a company's going to grow or it's going to die. Like I know, I knew, I went to school for all that. Mm. I interviewed with a year or almost at this point, 18 months of experience after college. And I remember that person, uh, the, the hiring manager, uh, it's an internal interview because I'm a temp coming in, trying to 
turned to permanent. He ended up telling me I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that like kind of really was gut wrenching is that his response was also maybe consider applying to jobs that you're fit for. Oh yeah. And it was like a thing that it was like, talk about the, how I built this moment. It was yeah. like a thing I printed out. I printed out the email. I put it up on my cubicle Wow. Oh. and I just looked at it every day and oh. like it became the driver of like, okay, mm. like I don't Come really, on. I don't get the respect. I'm literally doing a job that I can do with my eyes closed. I'm mm. literally watching Netflix all day, every day. Mm. Mm. I'm going to work even harder and I'm going to make so much impact in this, this little cubicle that I have mm. that they're going to be, be very sad when I leave. Mm. And, mm. uh, it was like, it wasn't so much a grunge. I think I even repented after that because mm. like, I felt like it was just so hurt, mm. like so much hurt. I never, I never felt adversity so much of like the color of my, my skin until that moment when I realized, mm. oh, it's not about just getting a degree. Mm. It's not about like getting a job and doing good work. Mm. It's about who you are and like mm. your perception. Yeah. And like, it's also their perception. Mm-hmm. And I learned that it's not about who you know, it's actually mm. who knows you. Mm. And so what happened was I, I did my job so well and like it became a thing that the, the manager in like my squad that I was a temp for uh, they were all permanent. Everyone else I worked with, they were permanent employees, uh, making salary and benefits. And he he asked me, he's like, "Hey, how are you doing this?" And mm. he's like, "I'm like, you want me to show you?" He's like, "Yeah, let me sh- show you. This is VB, and like, this is the script I run. I figured out how to basically automate this so that no matter whatever comes to me, it's done in like 30 seconds to like 60 seconds." And he's like, "Oh, can you show this to everyone else?" And like the entire team, like our performance went so up to the wow. right wow because now everybody's using my wow. my script mm. and it was like even a joke that came up that i think he was on a call once and i heard him he's like he was joking that attempt discovered how to do this mm. and like we're we're basically accelerating because of our temp wow. that's on our team wow after 11 i have 11 months of doing this Ugh. and uh at that point it was like oh wow you're like a critical path of so they, they converted me full time. It was like right around I had proposed to to Maddie, and we we got married, mm. and it was like perfect timing because I got benefits and I could take time off and not worry about you know not getting paid or not mm. having enough to cover at the time mortgage because I was so conservative about life at that point that I bought a we bought a condo mm. uh, within a year of us being married, mm. and it was because like I just knew financially like. Mm. I did the real estate real estate course in mm. college. It was a course in college. So I was like ready to do real estate. Mm. Uh, I didn't do that because I didn't feel like it was like what I wanted to do. Mm. But I knew I should buy a property. So we mm. bought at the bottom on the market. Wow. And wow. Uh, we ended up selling that place for like three times as much. Wow. Um, and that's when we moved out here to California. Mm. But I guess what I'm getting at is like I, I learned how to do stuff to be very, very effective at mm. my job. Mm. That entire time I listened to podcasts, I was deep diving in like YouTube mm. and learning a bunch of other stuff. Mm. Uh, and eventually got to the point where they wanted to promote, promote me mm. to like supervisor. Mm. And um, I turned, I ended up going through the interview and then I ended up turning out down the role. I got accepted, had an offer in hand and I was making 28K. The supervisor role was for 34. Mm. So I'm like, oh, Okay. This entire time I went to college, I, I was expecting like a 50K job. Mm. Like, gonna have a great salary. Mm. I've got a great degree and a, and a place that pays money because mm. you know how money works. So you get paid money. Could not for the life of me get anything. Mm. And I learned so much from that experience that like I ended up saying no to the job. Mm. Uh, and that it was kind of shocking for them because they figured, you know, this is the best thing you've had in years. You were a temp for 11 months. Mm. And I said no. And I'm like, 
I think there's something better out there for me, and I appreciate this. I think mm. you're probably just go with the next person. Mm. And I remember even like the the person they they had to say no to before, like it was like a whole, um, yeah, they were basically like sad they didn't get the role. And I remember even talking to them after they were just so appreciative. Mm. Uh, and I think I thought they were a great candidate too because uh, mm. they were my other coworker temp mm. as well that we came up together. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, this is not worth it. Like I I could totally go anywhere else, get a better job, move mm. to another city, whatever it is, but there was like this sort of status quo that my life had been up until that point that I was just so happy to arrive and got mm. the degree and got a job and could pay bills and buy a condo, mm. a two bedroom condo. It was like, it was amazing, but there's like more out there and like mm. everyone else I knew was getting better opportunity. Right. So I started like doing way more research, mm. and the people we were inserting the the, um, the sales data for, mm. they were called product sales champions. They were like basically inside sales, mm. and I found out how much they made and how much their bonuses were. Mm. So it became my I, I gave up on the whole finance world because I just could not get get a break mm. on that end. Uh, but it became my mission to become a product sales champion. Mm. It was like the step up to get mm. out of this sort of rat race of where I was at. Mm. Six months after that, I turned that role down. I get I got a job. Mm. And what's crazy about that job is I interviewed for the role and got declined. Mm. And um, they ended up coming back to me like maybe like two or three weeks later and saying, hey, um, this is so-and-so, the manager, hiring manager. Um, we know we actually, you interviewed very, very strong, but we went with a different candidate. And, uh, but that didn't work out. So we actually want to offer you the role. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And like the one thing I did when I got the client, I was like, you know, thank you so much. Very polite. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the opportunity. Hopefully we'll have a chance to work together mm. in the future, maybe mm. on different projects. Um, I'll, one day I'll make it here or whatever. Mm. Uh, and they were just so impressed by how I handled it mm. that they came back and gave me the job. Wow. Turns out the person who got the job, they, uh, they were like the either fiance or a spouse of another person who was like a, a manager. Uh, there was like a bit of um, nepotism that, uh, and it turns out they they failed the drug test. Like that was the uh, that was the catalyst. I asked I asked years later, they failed the drug test, so I get the job because oh. I was the, the the best. You next. were actually the best candidate. For yeah, the job. so ended up doing that. Uh, long story short, took that role, got promoted two times in two years from mm. like nothing to mm. leaving as senior IT uh, IT consultant, mm. and it was all on the back of I did so much research on the role and on the product and mm. on the business, I had no problem cold calling because mm. I did collections. Mm. So every person in the team in that organization was like, they were afraid to pick up the phone and mm. just like be proactive. Mm. I didn't mind that because mm. I had so much experience in being mm. proactive. Also getting deals closed, I had mm. knew how to automate everything. Mm. And I knew exactly how the process of the people who I was sending deals down to to get the coupons applied, mm. I knew exactly how to fix it and how to mm. un unblock stuff. So I became mm. the expert on how to work with that team downstairs to get deals closed. Mm. But also I became the expert on cold calling. Mm. And then I became the expert on mentoring because mm. I learned all of it so quickly mm. that every time they brought a new person on, I would mentor them wow. and show them how to do everything. Mm. Uh, and then I got to the point where I was just doing that job with my eyes closed and like mm. looking for the next thing. So I started getting my MBA because mm. the company was actually pay was gonna pay for it. Mm. And uh, started doing my MBA remotely um, for a small college in Florida. And my first dissertation was on Google. Hmm. And I found out that the, the founders of Google, all they had was an idea. Hmm. And they just did it. 
with code. No overhead, no brick and mortar, no business. It was just they had an idea, they pitched it. Obviously, there's way more context. They went to Stanford and all this other stuff. But I'm like, if you just learn how to code and build an idea, you have a business. Mm. And like, I had an iPhone. I was watching Netflix on it every day. Mm. Well, I was supposed to be doing my job, but the job was done. And uh, so I taught myself how to code. Wait, what year was this? Uh, this would have been 2012. So 2012, you basically master that position. You automate yeah. all the processes and you realize if I just learn how to code, I can build whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, Salesforce had just come out. Hmm. Um, well, it had been out for a bit, but it really started hitting a lot of adoption. It's all Salesforce get integrated into tech data. Mm. And it's like this, and I knew about that guy because I was listening to podcasts with mm. Mark Benioff on it. Mm. And it was like uh, the, this week in tech. Uh, so it's recorded up here in Petaluma. Mm. I knew who he was. I knew where, what he was doing before mm. because I just knew his background uh, mm. from being on this, this random podcast and like uh, all these other pros like Mike Arrington, uh, TechCrunch people, uh, Jason Calacanis, like all these sort of early up and coming VCs that are now just like taking over the industry. Mm. I can do all the stories. I'm like, oh, just learn how to code. I'll build something mm. and uh, see how it goes. And like, you saw like things like Pinterest and Airbnb had was like a couple years away from Airbnb, but Coinbase had just come out as well. Hmm. I remember Coinbase is crazy because I remember, so around that time where I was learning how to code, getting my MBA, it was right before my son was about to be born. And hmm. I remember Bitcoin being like going from 50 to 200. Hmm. It was like after it crashed, it was going back up to 200. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to buy Bitcoin. And I was hmm. telling Maddie, my wife, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. I think I'm going to, this is like interesting. And it was like a, the combination of tech and finance. I was so excited about it. Hmm. And instead... I actually took that money. It was $5,000. I took that money and I actually paid for an online course to learn how to code instead. Oh. And uh, after completing that course, after 12 weeks, I had a mentor who I met with every week. Hmm. I was like, oh, I'll probably get way more value in like, learning how to code. Hmm. So how long did it take you to learn how to code? 17 weeks. Hmm. Uh, the reason I know 17 weeks is because the day I, learned, I started learning how to code, I started writing a blog. Mm. and that blog was like my accountability partner mm. to keep consistent on what I was learning. I would just share it with the world. Mm. And when I say the world, it was me. Mm. Like I never had the inclination of anybody would read it. Mm. I just wanted to keep record of mm. what I did because mm. I knew a blog would be a great place to do that, to mm. wake up and be like, okay, this is my devotion to the craft. Mm. I'm going to type up what I learned yesterday or what I learned today. Wow. And that blog became the reason why I've never applied to a job mm. since joining being a developer. Wow. Everyone's always reached out to me. Whoa. So wait, even the first developer job? First job, yeah. So how did that happen? Well, the day I decided to learn how to code and the day I started the blog, I was just Googling like, hey, how to build like a web app? Because um, I had an idea. So real quick, my son was born 11 weeks early. So okay. got my MBA, was getting my MBA. He ended up coming way early. So we were in the hospital for 11 weeks. Wow. And we wanted to find some sort of like spiritual outlet we were 20 miles away from home. Hmm. Uh, we didn't want to go to our home church because it was just so emotional for us to like, for him being born that early, it was just really emotional time for us. Hmm. So we just want to go to a church to like sit in the back, hmm. this experienced church, not get asked a bunch of questions like, how is he doing? Is he, is it everything okay? Hmm. Like we just bust out in tears. Like we could not talk hmm. about it. Hmm. So I could not for the life of me, Google church in Tampa, which is my son. My son had to be in ambulance from Clearwater to Tampa. Hmm. So again, 20 miles away. So we had this Google church in Tampa, what churches? Like there's like the big churches and some small churches that we know, but it's like, what church like is something that we would enjoy, like mm. plays similar music or whatever it is. Like we're mm. just looking for just like reviews on churches and mm. didn't exist and not, mm. not in 2013. Mm. So my idea was like, I can build Yelp for churches. 
Mm. And I called it Choich, and I ended up uh, building it. Wow. And the reason I learned how to code so quickly is because I had an idea. Most mm. people learn how to code for just learning how to code oh. because the job is waiting for them. Right. But I had the inclination of like, I want to build this idea, huh. and I'm going to build it by the time I learn how to code. Wow. So I built it. Wow. Uh, I built it in like probably seven weeks, and then mm. I polished it after that. Mm. Um, so answering the question of how I got my first job, the day I learned how to, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to build this church app. And I'm going to learn Ruby on Rails because I Google, did a bunch of Google. I like did my job. I was just like looking on YouTube the rest of the day. Ruby on Rails is it. And it's like, okay, cool. Ruby on Rails, meetups. And I was like, meetup.com is pretty new. I hmm. uh, looked for meetups, found one in Orlando. So Tampa to Orlando is kind of like San Francisco to San Jose. It's like hmm. a, it's a big distance. It's like hmm. you don't just think you're just going to sit in traffic. You're going to sit in traffic. So it's about a two and a half hour drive. It took me like five hours. And before I even left, I was like, called Maddie. I was like, hey. I have to go to Orlando. She's like, why? It's like, there's this meetup. It's for Ruby developers. I'm going to learn Ruby. I need to build this app choice. She already knew about it. I, I tend to tell her everything mm, and mm. tell her all my, my dreams and, and wishes. It's good. So she's like, okay, I guess that's okay. I guess I'll, you know, put the kid to sleep and mm. have a night by myself. Mm. Um, so, well, at that time I thought I was going to be home <laughs> way early, but <laughs> anyway, it took me forever to get there. I ended up getting to Orlando, uh, leaving at lunchtime, which was even, I left like probably one or two, mm. didn't get till till like 630. Mm. So I missed the first talk, mm. saw the second talk, had no idea what it was about or mm. what they were talking about. Mm. Saw the third talk and I was like, oh, cool. It was like actually, a, uh, they were talking about Mixpanel, which is a YC back company. After the talk, I was like, oh, I missed all the talks. I guess I'll just network. Because mm. from sales, doing all these sales events and stuff like that and traveling, I just, you know, work the room, ask questions like, hey, what are you doing? Just get people to talk about yourself, about themselves. And uh, that's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I had read that book in college and read it like almost every year since. Mm. Mm. And uh, yeah, so just worked the room, met the founder of Code School, which was acquired by Pluralsight years later. Mm. I was like, hey, I actually, the reason I found this meetup is that I actually was doing Code School. Like this, you know, not really doing it. I didn't really finish much of it. But I was like, hey, thanks for putting all that stuff out there. I appreciate it. Like met the founder, co-founder. And then I met these two guys as well who... They worked at this company in Orlando called Isaia. And Isaia is like a influencer marketplace platform. Uh, so if you think like Firefest or you think of like uh, Kylie Jenner, hmm. like this is before influencer marketing became a really big thing. Hmm. There's a platform where you can connect brands to sponsors. Hmm. And that's, that's essentially the platform. This platform was built on Ruby on Rails. Hmm. It was the thing I decided to learn that day. Hmm. And I met them and they're like, hey, um, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I work in uh, sales, but... Um, I'm actually trying to learn how to code. He's like, oh, we're hiring for sales. Like, if you're interested, you learn how to code and work for us. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, I actually, I realized I don't like sales. And I realized I don't like sales because those 11 weeks of being in the hospital was like the hardest time. It was the only time my entire career uh, at Tech Data that I didn't hit my number, like mm. didn't hit my goal. Mm. And it wasn't even my fault. It was actually because the entire industry was taking a hit. It was mm. like a big shift. So I couldn't get ahead of that. And I couldn't actually be on top of customer engagements. So I just didn't hit my number. Mm. Only time. And I realized you're only as good as your last quarter in mm. sales. Mm. And I knew that I wanted to be with my family, wanted to see my kid grow up, wanted to stop traveling. Mm. So I was like, I don't want to do sales anymore. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you ever learn how to code? Just reach out. You know, we always have jobs posted. And uh, so from that point to 17, 17 weeks later, I went to this conference in St. Augustine, Florida. So it's like right, right next to Jack, Jacksonville called Ancient State of Ruby. During the first day, I sat like third row from the front, and right in front of me were those two guys. Oh wow! Exact two, same two guys, and like, I I think I, 
out of my shyness, I wasn't going to say anything, but I think that one of them turned around and saw me. Mm. It was like, hey, I know you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, we, we met at that event like 17 weeks ago. Mm. Uh, and he's like, how's that, how's that going? I, how's learning how to code? It's like, actually, I built an app and like pulled out my phone. I was like, oh, here you go. Here's how it works. Mm. And then he was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, do you want a job? <laughs> and I was like, um, I don't know if I'm good enough. Like, I literally just learned how to build this app. I haven't built many more. And he looked at me and he said, let us be the judge of that. Hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. I, okay, I'll take, I'll do an interview. <laughs> um, so literally the next Wednesday, like right after I got back home, I went and interviewed in Orlando. Wow. And uh, just had a great conversation and hmm. I, got, I got the job. Wow. I didn't submit an application, no resume. It was just wow. like, you can see my resume, but it's like literally nothing to do with code. Mm. Like, yeah, that's totally fine. We'll just look at your GitHub. Mm. And uh, they looked at my GitHub. They looked at my code. I walked them through all these uh, complicated things I did that mm. I learned on, like, as building it. And that was my first job in tech with Orlando. So we moved from Tampa to Orlando. Twitter photo had just started. Brand new feature. So with Isia, they wanted to sponsor photos. Mm. So the way they did that is they had to implement through the Twitter API mm. photos on their platform and then upload that directly to Twitter. So you can mm. time Schedule tweeting wasn't a thing at that time. So it was basically all your tweets were generated on Isia mm-hmm. and they would schedule and be connected to the uh, brand ambassador. Oh, wow. Um, so that was my first feature. It took me four weeks, hmm. two weeks too long. But it was my first feature. I asked a lot of questions and mm-hmm. uh, ended up shipping. At that point, after like about eight months, uh, I got the news that my mom passed away. Oh. Yeah. And um, it was pretty, like, it was unexpected. What year was this? Uh, this was in 2015. January 2015. It was the, mm. my wedding anniversary. Um, it's when she passed away. So we learned the next morning um, and my brother called me and I was on my, I was at a coding boot camp called Iron Yard mm. sharing my entire story of how I learned how to code in 17 weeks. And as I was leaving to go back to work, cause I had to go downtown to do that talk, I got the phone call and then I ended up telling the product manager, I was like, Hey, I have to go to, I have to drive back home. And, um, yeah, that was a, a very hard time, time for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sorry. It's okay. Mm. Mm. It, get, it gets better. Yeah, it's okay. Take your time. So everything went really fast. Like we had the funeral, like maybe five days later. Um, my mom worked not only as a school teacher, she also worked at 7-Eleven for years. And uh, she just, a lot of people showed up. Mm. It was a great service. Mm. Mm. Wow, didn't expect that. That's all right. It's all right. Of course, it's your mom. Yeah. So hard service, very hard service. Um, but I realized as I was speaking at a service that everything that, I, that happened happened for a reason. Mm. 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 Wow. It's been a while since I cried about that. Mm. So... At her service, I ended up getting an email from the same company I I, I got a mentor from, uh, which is called Block. 
their CTO, they had just raised money. And they emailed me and said, hey, we've been following your story for the past year. Like, you're like one of our best success stories. Hmm. Would you be interested in interviewing for a job? Hmm. I read that email the night of her funeral. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. At that point... My entire life was so, it was planned, but it had so much adversity hmm. that I realized that once I moved to Orlando, the world had opened up hmm. so much more. Like I, my goal was to buy a house, hmm. get married, have kids. Hmm. I did all of those things. Hmm. And by accomplishing all those things and understanding that my, my mom who passed away at 55, hmm. She did some of those things, but she didn't do all of them. Mm. So my goals got bigger. Mm. <laughs> all right. I laugh because it's true. Mm. I had no idea. Mm. <laughs> so two weeks later, I flew out to San Francisco for an interview, mm. thinking... I get a free trip to San Francisco. Mm. Probably not going to get a job. Mm. I didn't apply for this. They reached out to me. They're going to find out. I really don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I get there. And on the way there, I was learning about APIs. Mm. So I had built using APIs, but I never built my own. Mm. And um, on the plane, I installed a program called Ember.js because I was learning JavaScript. Mm. And I built an API. Mm. I built an API using Ruby on Rails. And I was like, oh, let me build an API using IMDB database. So like they gave they give you all the data for free. And let me just build a JSON API. So just like trivial stuff nowadays, but it was like kind of cutting edge mm. 10 years ago. Mm. Um, so I did that on the plane, went to the went to San Francisco, walked around. I was like, oh, this place is awful. It was like Tenderloin is where I stayed. Mm. I was like, oh, I don't think I would ever live here. Mm. Uh, that was my only exposure to San Francisco there in the, the, the FIDI, like this mm. the one office. And I had no idea what else to do. So mm. I just went home. Mm. But so the next morning, did the interview. And um, all the sort of conversation, I'm, I, from sales, I learned how to converse and mm. talk about my story. And I had mm. a story. Mm. And um, that all went well team really enjoyed hanging out with me. I had lunch with them. Hmm. When it came to the technical part, they asked me, they're like, hey, we're going to do a technical screen. We'll only have an hour. We're going to build an API. Hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll just let you know, like, I literally just built my first API yesterday on the plane. Hmm. So do you mind if we just do that again? He's like, yeah, sure. Hmm. So I ended up building in like 20 minutes. Hmm. And then we ended up just chatting and like hmm. polishing it up and hmm. conversing and like had a really good time with this engineer and like, Still consider him a friend to this day. Wow. And um, I ended up getting the job. Hmm. And I thought I was just going to get a free trip. Hmm. So at that point, I was like, hey, Maddie, um, they gave me an offer. Hmm. Uh, at the time, it was for $95,000 a year. Hmm. I didn't mention this, but my first job in Isaiah was for $58,000. Hmm. The only reason I, I was getting paid $58,000 was because that's how much I made with my bonus in base pay at Tech Data. Okay. So when they asked they me how much... It. Well, they didn't match it. They asked me, how much do you want to get paid? And I was uh, like, well, you're taking a chance with me. I didn't say this out loud, but like, let me just ask what I'm making now mm, and just make that work. Mm, and so that's what they gave me. Mm, and I was like, oh, man, they gave me 
turns out it was it was well below. <laughs> right. It was uh, right. I probably should have been made in King seventy. Mm. Um. So. Anyway, took that job 10 months, discovered eventually that like the 19 year old who was doing front end developer who taught, taught himself code in high school was getting paid 70 and I was getting paid at that time 61. They gave wow. me a, a bump because once I realized I could actually write code, mm. but I was like, oh, wow, this is a, uh, this is not good. Mm. So it was easy for me to say, okay, I'm going to leave and move mm. to San Francisco, take mm. that job because it's mm. 90, 95,000. Mm -hmm. And, uh, turns out that was also low. <laughs> turns out most people were making 110 at that point mm. but mind you it was a great experience they paid for travel out to to san francisco eventually we moved to oakland mm. and uh found a, a great place in north oakland one bedroom apartment with mm. one kid mm. i moved out here three months early uh before we sold what well, we didn't even sell we ended up renting out our condo mm. um because i wanted to make sure we had a fallback in case i failed because mm. everyone who told me before moving out to san francisco tons of people have done it and they all moved back home Wow. So the ones that moved back home were like, ah, oh, it's going to be hard. You know, mm. it's, uh, it's going to be very expensive. Mm. Um, are you sure you want to do it? Because I was, I was at the same point where I was at tech data at Isaiah, mm. where I was the expert mm. of my craft at the small little features I was doing. Mm. So they didn't want to see me go. So they're like, yeah, oh, you know, let's, you know, think about it. And at that point I didn't have to think about it because I had never experienced life until I moved Orlando. I experienced life, but I didn't know how big the world was mm. until that moment. Mm. And I knew if I moved to San Francisco, all I had to do was live there one year or mm. full time. And I would know way more than everybody else in mm. Orlando. Mm. So my goal was one year. Mm. So we didn't sell our condo because we wanted to have a fallback mm. in case we had to move back home. Mm. So I, I moved to San Francisco working for the company that taught me how to write code. And I was just building a platform that you interface to learn code mm. and all the curriculum. So all that sort of UI. Hmm. And it, it got to the point where I was like, I was, I'm, I'm an early riser. Hmm. I love getting in the city early before everybody else making coffee for the whole office. That was my thing. So like hmm. I'm in out, I'm in first. And sometimes I stay later. I stopped staying later because I started getting my job done in like two or three hours. Hmm. And there's just wasn't enough to do, hmm. but I started like doing other stuff. I started hmm. exploring open source. I started exploring hmm. meetups. Hmm. I started like having random coffee chats with people from Twitter. Cause like mm. I was in the city, like I knew all the people from listening to podcast mm. and now I was in the city where all those people lived. Mm. So I started reaching out to them randomly. Mm. And I started this podcast, um, actually when I got the job in Orlando called this developing story mm. and that podcast became just my audio blog, just mm. like my written blog, my audio blog of what I was learning, like mm. who I was meeting. And then it turned into interviews when I got to San Francisco where I'd interview other people, my, all the team members that I worked with, I interviewed them hmm. and asked them how they, basically three questions. Who are you? Hmm. What do you do? And how did you get here? Hmm. And it was enlightening of hmm. people saying, you know, I, I assumed everybody went to Stanford or UC Berkeley, hmm. uh, but it wasn't true. Hmm. A lot of people were self-taught. A lot of people had like random side projects or were in a band and had to build a website or a MySpace. Hmm. And I was just learning really quickly that my path is actually not un it's not unknown. Like a lot of people came up the same way I did. Not so unusual. Had an, an idea and built yeah. it. Mm. And uh, so I started reaching out to cold emailing or DMing on Twitter, bigger and bigger people. And mm. they kept saying yes and yes mm. and yes. Mm. So I'm, now I'm growing my network. I'm building this uh, on the side. I'm like doing my work in three or four hours. And I even built an app which told me whenever there's a baseball game. Mm. And I built this app because I got stuck on the first day. I was getting, I got an apartment in North Oakland. Um, I get on the train after being on, after working till like 7 PM, it's packed with Oakland A's and San Francisco fans. It was just an awful experience to the point where 
I just need to know whenever there's a baseball game so I can just go home early. <laughs> right. And so I built an app. Mm. And I built this app every year because oh, baseball wow. happens every single year. So every time I learn something new, I would just build something new on top of the app, like a new API, new caching mm. layer, new language. Mm. And that became a story I started sharing. Mm. Uh, and the reason it be became a story is because when the company that I moved out to San Francisco for uh, was going under, I have a finance degree. Hmm. So when the CEO stood in front of the, in all hands and said, hey, we have 12 months of runway. Hmm. Uh, I'm like, okay, I know what that means. You only have 12 months until this thing goes under. Hmm. I should start applying now because it's going to take me a while. Uh, I've never interviewed properly for a job or applied. I was interviewing actively at that point. Hmm. Uh, just meeting a bunch of people and asking questions, getting introductions. Uh, none of those jobs I got. Hmm. And then I went to this meetup um, at that, like, Near in Soma in, in, in uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I had a blog and I had a podcast. Mm -hmm. And in the meetup, it was a founder of this company called Netlify. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how he has his new technology, how you can build static apps and make it easier to deploy. And all the stuff that I had hosted at that point was hosted on this company called DivShot. Mm -hmm. DivShot was purchased by Firebase, which then got purchased by Google. Mm -hmm. And Google said, hey, we're going to shut all this down. You're going to move all your stuff off of this. Because now this is going to be a Google property. Mm. It's like a very Google thing to do. So mm. I was like, oh man, I honestly don't even know how to do infrastructure or all this hosting stuff. I need to find something new. Mm. And at that meetup, it was like maybe a week later, that meetup, they're like, hey, we're announcing this new product called Netlify. It's like, oh, that's exactly what I, like their way they were building stuff was the way I only knew how to host stuff. Mm. So I'm like, I'm going to move all my stuff to Netlify. And I did. And mm. I didn't think about it. I just started continuing doing podcasts and blogs mm. uh, on hosted on Netlify. Well, the Netlify founder, I'd met briefly. It wasn't like a, a meaningful conversation. Uh, I met him briefly, uh, remembered his face, and in, in his, not even his name, just more of his face. A year later, after hosting on Netlify, uh, when I'm actually actively looking for jobs, uh, they email me. And they're mm -hmm. like, hey, we've been reading your blog. And because you're mm -hmm. hosting on Netlify, it shows up in our feed of like published sites, mm -hmm. uh, which is very common for companies to see like all like a, mm -hmm. like in, when you go to Twitch, you see all the live streaming when you mm -hmm. walk in on the big wall. Mm -hmm. uh, Netlify has had like, a site where you can see what was deployed latest and they would read my blog and I was mm. learning all this technology and stuff that they were working with. Mm. So they reached out and they said, Hey, we're actually, we're chatting with customers. Like, do you want to come and have a coffee mm. in San Francisco? I was like, okay, cool. I, I work in San Francisco. I'll pop over. Uh, a, it was at the time in the dog patch. I'd never been to the dog patch mm. at that point, mm. which is like further towards the industrial park. Mm. We had coffee and we had probably a really riveting conversation that I was sharing my story with them. Hmm. And they were just, I, it got 30 minutes in. I was like, oh, um, they're like, oh, do you want something to eat? And it was like, they end up ordering breakfast. I go, like, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll have like whatever breakfast omelet or whatever. And I was asking like, as we're ordering breakfast, cause it was like, at this point it was obviously we weren't going to like finish the conversation. We're just going to keep going. I was like, are you just meeting with all your customers or what's like, what's the deal? And they're like, actually we just raised money and we're looking to hire and we actually want to hire you. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh. Okay. So the conversation mm. completely shifted. And I was like, from all my training of like trying to get sales jobs and finance jobs, I was like, oh, cool. Like, what's your business plan? And like, oh yeah, this is it. But like, we'd love to hear your feedback. And I was like, okay, look, here's my 30, 60, 90. Because in sales, that's what you do. 30, 60, 90 when you start. It's a great plan to like tell you in the first 30 days what you would do, 60 days what you do, 90 days. Mm. And uh, I gave my 30, 60, 90 what you should do. And I told them, you should get into boot camps. Like mm. I work for a boot camp. If you had Netlify embedded in the bootcamp, you'd have thousands of users automatically because they're forced to learn your technology. And uh, they're like, yeah, cool. And so like, we'll get back to you. And a month went by. 
and they never got back to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they reached out and was like, hey, we just hired our CTO. Uh, we were kind of like trying to get somebody in place to like mentor you. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're obviously a, a more junior engineer than we would normally want. Mm-hmm. But your skill set and sales and marketing and podcasting, like we want all that. Mm-hmm. So like, come on board. We'll teach you how to code like properly. But we want you to also write blog posts and do a mm-hmm. podcast and mm-hmm. do videos. And I was like, oh, th- that's all the stuff I always wanted to do full time at work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up getting that job mm-hmm. uh, and did that job at Netlify as employee number three. Uh, the, oh, wow. Yeah, the company is worth uh, $2.5 billion today. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, this blew me away because, like, when I left, they had a close to 500,000 users. So I guess I'm not surprised. Mm. But when I joined, it was 25,000. Wow. So, like, they did all the work before I got there. Mm. I just happened to know how to scale content mm. and, like, share a story. In sales, it's easier to, like, find out easy places that have direct flights. And the way to do that is just look for all NFL cities. Mm. So NFL cities are all 32 cities. That's all you have to look at. Look for customers in those cities. And then from there, you set up multiple cu- customer calls. Mm. So my pitch to them in that, that breakfast meeting was NFL cities, that same strategy. Mm. And instead of just doing customer visits, do a customer visit plus a boot camp visit because mm. every one of the cities had a boot camp at that point. Mm. And then also do a conference talk mm. and a meetup talk. So minimum, and I pitched on this, and I ended up doing this uh, six months after I joined, mm. where I would just fly out to a city, go speak at a conference, mm. speak at a boot camp, speak at a meetup, talk to a customer. Mm. And they said that it, it scaled so well, and they started, we started building local meetups for the company. Mm. Uh, so like a lot of evangelism, early Apple, were all about Apple user groups. Mm. And I read the book mm. of um, Guy Kawasaki. Hmm. the first evangelist for Apple. And oh, wow. he built it on the same evangelism model for the church. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I know evangelism. I've hmm. had evangelists come to my church before. Hmm. So at that point, I was like, that's the strategy. And I did it. And I would just lean into that and I would write code on the road. Hmm. I'd interface with the, the, the team and I would just do a lot of traveling. Hmm. And I got to experience so much of the world and grow so much more of a network. And then mind hmm. you, I was still doing my podcast, my personal podcast. Hmm. We had started another podcast for Netlify called Jamstack Radio eight hmm. years ago. Still do it to this day. I just recorded one yesterday. You still do it for them. Still do it. Even though you don't work for them anymore. Exactly. Wow. Because all that network, all that ends is actually what built me to my fundraising oh. for my current role oh. or my f- current company. Yeah. Because I've been talking to people. People know who I am. Like I, I go by B. Dougie. Yeah. Intentionally because Brian Douglas is such a generic name. Right. There's a Brian Douglas in Ireland who has a bigger YouTube following than me. Oh. So when I want people to Google me, I want you to find me. Yeah. So I only go by B. Dougie. Yeah. In a professional sense. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I ended up doing that for two years. Mm. Saw that company grow. Crazy mm. growth. We had 50 people before I left. Mm. Expecting my second kid at this point. Mm. And I actually, I guess ignorantly, took the same salary I had from the previous employer and took it over. I said, they asked me, basically they offered me a, a role and they offered me $70,000. Hmm. At the time, I was making 95. So I was like, ah, this is not going to work. Hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, um, what would work? And it's like, just pay me what I'm making at my current role. I'll come and take a chance with you. You're taking a chance with me. Let's do it. Hmm. Well, a year went into, and we went from just three people to, at that point, close to 20. Hmm. And they raised a Series A of in, from Andreessen. Hmm. Um, it was like a Friday. The founders were like, hey, we have a pitch we've been working on. We're actually going to raise more money. 
we don't know if we need it right now, but it's going to be a good time for us to like expand and scale. Um, so they gave us a pitch on a Friday by next Thursday, we had term sheets. Hmm. And, uh, so after the term sheet and the, the, mind you, the, um, the pitch was all my, everything I did. Wow. The strategy of scaling, the strategy of spreading mm. the jam stack wow. as a term, the podcast. Wow. But what really got me was like, my name wasn't on this, oh, the pitch. Wow. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But you know, I'm the person I, I don't mind mm. helping people grow and accelerate. Mm. I don't need my name on everything. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, you and me know that this, this is what happened. Yeah. But I also want you to succeed. Yeah. Because if you succeed, I own stock in this company. Mm. Like I succeed. So right. I don't need to be name all over the place because I was relatively unknown at that point. Mm-hmm. So totally fine. But six months later, we had taken at that point $14 million. We scaled the team mm. and I asked them for a raise because mm. I was like, hey, I took the salary from my last job. I should probably get a raise, right? Mm. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, and they asked me what, what I should make. And I specifically said 115 is what mm. I asked for. So it's a 20, it's a big jump, mm. but mind you, I was underpaid. Mm-hmm. And I was not only writing code, and the only one running front end code, I was also doing the only one doing marketing. Mm. And I was the only one doing event speaking. Mm. And um, and I was doing it and scaling it. Mm. Uh, and also doing my, my, my regular job, which is shipping code. Mm. They came back to me and they're like, okay. Uh, it took like a month because one of the founders had to go to Denmark for a visa reason. Mm. So when they came back, uh, they're like, oh, uh, we couldn't give you 115, but we can give you 110. Mm. After everything I did at that point. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll take the 110. Mm. And then in my mind, I was like, I'm going to start interviewing. Mm-hmm. So I started interviewing at Pinterest, Airbnb, mm. like a t- ton of other companies. Um, not SendGrid, but anyway, a couple of companies that have since been acquired and had mm. exits. Stitch Fix interviewed mm. with them. Mm. Uh, Square interviewed with them. Mm. I didn't get any of those jobs. Mm. But I learned how to interview. Mm. And I was getting to the point where I could do all the technical screens pretty easily mm. and quickly. Mm. Um, so I think I was pretty much in a place where the next interview I was going to get, mm. well, I was doing at this time, I was doing all this front end code engineering and also speaking and doing DevRel developer relations as an advocate or evangelist. And they asked me to go full time to do the evangelism. And my whole thing is I didn't want to do sales. I just want to learn how to code and be good at that. Never want to go back to the, the previous life where I had to travel and do all this stuff. I only travel on my own terms. Mm. And so I said, no. Mm. And then three months later, they hired a second front end person finally. Uh, and then at that point they asked me again, it's like, Hey, there's someone who can now do what you're doing. Why don't you try to do the DevRel thing? It's like, okay, I'll try it. I'll give it a year. And, uh, if I like it, obviously I'll continue doing it. If I don't, I want to go back to writing code. I'm like, yeah, totally fine. Um, so right as I was rounding up that year, uh, I got invited to speak at GitHub universe. I was talking about this new technology called GraphQL built on top of the GitHub uh, API. Hmm. And, it was like a lot of the sort of problems, but also success, success you can get from building on a new version of an mm. API, which is GraphQL. Previously, it was REST. REST is still around, but GraphQL provides it some extra bells and whistles. And that talk had the one of the senior engineers on that team was like in, I noticed later because he took a, a screenshot, like a photo on his iPhone, mm. and he opened an internal issue and was like talking about all the stuff I mentioned mm. and how we should fix it. Uh, he was on my podcast, Jamstack Radio. And the reason why I still do Jamstack Radio hmm. is because I met him on a whim because I was learning GraphQL with GitHub. He talked to me about it on my podcast. Um, I didn't know who he was, but the CTO had hired him at GitHub. CTO at Netlify, used to work at GitHub, hired him at GitHub. He's like, you should talk to Kyle. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let me talk to Kyle. Um, did the podcast. And at that point, I was hooked. Let me learn how to do this technology. 
so I started building an app. Uh, and at the app, uh, it wouldn't have a name, but I ended, ended up calling it Open Sauced. And 2016.pizza had just come out. Uh, and I want to have like a pun because open sauce, open source, mm. uh, and then dot pizza came out. I was like, oh, this is perfect. Let me buy dot pizza. It was like five bucks. Mm. And uh, so I attached that name to it. And it was like a CRM for contributing to open source. Like, how do you find open source projects? How do you find people to contribute with? And I built that on a whim, submitted a talk about that same project to GitHub Universe. It was accepted. Mm. And that became like the first public place I ever talked about open source back mm. in 2017. Mm. And, uh, at that point, they were like, wow, this is a great talk. They ended up reaching out to me um, at that same event after I gave my talk. They all saw me speak. They're like, hey, do you want to come to the GitHub office? We're actually having like a little um, little hangout. Hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, let's do it. And uh, so I ended up going to this little hangout, meeting some GitHub employees. They ended up pitching me and like, why don't you work for us? So I ended up interviewing. Hmm. And I interviewed as a senior engineer. Uh, at the time, I was just a regular engineer. Uh, got all my chops done with uh, Netlify. And went through the entire interview. Great experience. I learned, I met all my, my heroes. Like they're mm. GitHub employees who I've seen around and saw speak at that original conference. Uh, mm. Katrina Owen spoke at that same conference. I went to her workshop with her. She interviewed me. Uh, ended up not getting that job. Mm. And I responded back as like, you know, hey, this was a great experience. I got to meet so many cool people. Uh, it was one of the best interviews I ever did. Mm. Uh, thanks so much. Um, yeah, if you ever need any help with Netlify, just reach out. Mm. And um, that same person, the guy who now is the chief of staff of the CEO today, uh, he reached out like a couple weeks later. He's like, hey, you know, I just wanted to follow up. and be like, hey, you interviewed so strong. It's just like you just missed a couple different things. Like I didn't write any tests for my code. I was like, I, yeah, I know. Mm. Like, I'll, I'll get it next time. He's like, yeah, well, why don't you interview again for this mm. other role? Mm. We want to hire our first advocate at GitHub. Mm. And like they realized that they need someone full time to be focused on talking about the product. And I did such a good job at the conference. They're like, you would be a perfect fit. Hmm. So I met that manager, super easy interview. And I gave this whole talk about the history of baseball. Hmm. And like two slides, I mentioned AWS Lambda. And that interview was the, there's a tool in the Mac called Homebrew. Hmm. The maintainer of Homebrew was my interviewer. Hmm. Uh, the other person who interviewed was named Nadia Ekbal. She wrote this book called Working in Public. Hmm. So that was like my intro to GitHub. And I, I took that role and kind of really just put open source on the side. It was like kind of just a fun side project. I had a bunch of ideas, but then when I got to GitHub, it was like, oh, all these ideas are already being worked on. So just sat on that for two years uh, and then had a great career, like grew, learned how to basically do DevRel at mm. even more scale, mm. uh, got paid a real salary. I got, I came on board 155,000 mm. was my salary when I joined. And I was like, oh, wow, this is Let's go. This is like sustainable. Mm. Like mm. We we're at that point, we were living in a one bedroom apartment expecting mm. our second kid. Mm. And um, we, I had a lot of pressure from mm. my wife of like, hey, we need to like get out and to get a bigger place. And I was mm. like, we can't afford a bigger place. Mm. So I get to GitHub. Great job. Like I got to host tons of great events. I got tons of great speaking. I traveled the world. The crazy part of the story is like I left Netlify only two years vested. And I felt like I was leaving a lot on the table because hmm. uh, I knew that company was going to be doing really good stuff. I believed in the company. I just needed to get paid. And hmm. also I was expecting a second kid. I knew I could have sustained this and have a kid. Hmm. GitHub was offering five months off paternal leave. Oh, wow. So I'm like, I have to take this because I, hmm. I didn't have any time off with Emmett, my oldest. Hmm. We were in the hospital for 11 weeks hmm. and I worked and I changed careers because I hated that so much. Hmm. So took the job at GitHub in February, hmm. June of 2018. There's an announcement. There's a rumor 
that Microsoft's going to acquire GitHub. Wow. So I did not want to leave Netlify. So I played hard to get. Hmm. So I did get 155000 uh, as a base pay, but I also got tons of GitHub stock. Mm-hmm. So automatically, while, mind you, like my daughter was born in July. Hmm. So this is like everyone's still figuring it out. I'm like, oh, well, y'all figure this out. I'm going to have a kid. Hmm. So I left for three and a half months. And by then everything was figured out. There was a price associated with it. And like this money became real stock became real Microsoft stock. And I was like, wow, this Hmm. completely changed my life. Hmm. Um, So in November, the acquisition closed Hmm. and I was back full time Hmm. working at GitHub. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. Like we moved to a bigger place Hmm. to a bit two bedroom place Hmm. on the nicer part of Oakland. Mm. And we lived there for two years and we just really just enjoyed life. I traveled to Japan, to China, to Brazil, to mm. Colombia, to mm. all over the U S to Paris, mm. all on GitHub's dime speaking mm. on behalf of GitHub mm. and growing my net, my, my network and my brand as B Dougie. Mm. And I joked that I was Beyonce of GitHub. Oh. <laughs> and the reason I did that is because I got, I, the second week I, well, before I joined my boss was like, Hey, we have a talk in China in Shanghai. Like, mm. do you want to do it? Like, no one else wants to do it. It's like, yeah, China? Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so I did a talk, and I never, ever talked about my craft. of like how I always cared about engineering. Mm. Never talked about the business of scale. Mm. Never talked about my background in finance at that point. It was always about coding. And uh, so I gave a talk, and I didn't know what I was going to talk about because I was like, oh, this company's already good. Like, they have 24 million. At the time, 25 million citizens in Shanghai. So, like, as many as citizens in Shanghai, that's how many users on GitHub. Wow. And uh, that was a talk I gave. And I was the joke. It was like, I'm the Beyonce of GitHub mm. because Beyonce has a huge fan group. Mm. And I'm just going to joke that I'm Beyonce and like, we'll see if this job works out. Like uh, it might be two years, might be one year, whatever. But I'll probably end up going back to a startup and uh, living life and figuring things out. Because mm. uh, startups is where I really can really scale because of all my background and I can do a bunch of stuff. Mm. Um, so that was my talk. And that became my brand mm. the entire time I was GitHub. I was Beyonce of GitHub. So nice. To the point where the CEO would call me the Beyonce of GitHub. <laughs> nice. Uh, and people would call me Bay. Mm. And uh, <laughs> and it, it was a joke because I wanted to scale. And like as an advocate or evangelist, your job is to create other evangelists. Mm. And that's what I did at GitHub. Like I could have mm. just been come, become like the B-Dougie. Everyone knows me, invites me. But my job, I made my job to scale mm. the team the community mm. where everyone else is doing my job for me. Wow. And that's what I ended up getting promoted, uh, the senior to then director of the oh, team, wow. mm. um, about a year before I left. And, uh, that's what I did. Mm. And b- when I became director, it was the, like, during the pandemic mm. and, and during the pandemic, I just found that I wanted to write code again. Mm. And I started live streaming twice a week on Twitch, writing code. And wow. I was like, Hey, I have this idea of open source. I sort of let's sit dormant started building open source while live streaming. And then at that point I had a product, like I ended up growing a following and then people kept asking like, Hey, how do I log in this thing? Like I never had login. It was only for me. Mm. So I had a login two years ago and then people logged in, they started using, they started building own features because it's open source mm. and, and then it grew a community. Mm. And then every talk I did was I was a Beyonce of GitHub, but also um, I'm the chief sauce officer. Like mm. I, I know how to get you an open source using mm. my product. Mm. And uh, so I grew an entire community around that because the other thing I learned, there's like this term called 500, uh, 30 by 500, mm. which is if you can get 500 people to pay $30, mm. you have $15,000 a month mm. or whatever it is. Mm. And once you put those numbers, you're like, oh, wow, $30, 500 people. Mm. Um, 
I had at that point 400 people signed up to open source. Hmm. So I was like, ah, oh, this is like a, almost a business. Hmm. So during 2020 and 2021, I started bootstrapping events and bootstrapping the product while also doing my day job because hmm. like always be learning is like the mantra. And uh, it grew to the point where I started getting way more attention about now I'm the open source guy. Like I, I started talking about like diversity and inclusion, which I never did prior. Hmm. And I started understanding like, why is it that only white dudes are founding companies or only white dudes are doing open source? Hmm. And um, I realized it's because it's who you know. It's like not about who you know, it's who knows you. So if people know me because I'm the Beyonce of GitHub, like they're going to invite me to do open source. And uh, so I became at my mission to invite more people into open source, get them in the inner circle. And uh, I did that for two years, two and a half years at this point. A year later, I was ready. I was getting the itch. I'd been at GitHub for four years. Um, we had just come back from the holidays uh, and I was at a service with youth preaching mm-hmm. and you were talking about Stuart Butterfield. Mm. And about how Slack, how it like was out from the ashes. Like mm. they pulled this thing out and like now they have Slack and it's mm. got this huge network effect. Mm. And I'd always been sort of down that I could never like get open source to like a place where I was ex- like exceptionally proud about it. It was like kind of like this thing I never really talked about. Mm. I was never public about it until like very recently. Mm. Um, but I was like, you know what? I've got a whole product. I've got a whole community. I, I can monetize this thing. I could probably just do this. Hmm. And, uh, it was that, that, that point where, um, my wife was not in the service at that point. Hmm. She had texted me. She said, this is this, this sermon's for you. You need to go after the sauce. And like open sauce has kind of been sitting here dormant. Hmm. And I was like, I need to take this seriously. Like, people are engaged. They want to use this thing. And there's a good story around it, hmm. but I've been ignoring it. So like, and then at that point, then she's like, yeah, go after the sauce. Wow. Wow. So, and it was also that same Monday of that sermon there's a VC, so the heavy bit. And uh, every now and then, uh, this partner like reaches out to me and asks me, hey, you should work for one of my partner companies because you're really good at what you do. Hmm. GitHub's not going to grow any bigger. You should, your talents would be suited elsewhere, a smaller hmm. company, a startup. Hmm. And I was like, yeah. So she reached out and she's like, hey, let's just have a check-in. Like, what's going on? I know you're, you're four years coming up because I made a note of it. Hmm. <laughs> so like, I'm going to ask you to work for these companies. Hmm. And I was like, you know, I would and I'm interested, but like, I have this other idea. Hmm. And... I told her idea of open source. She's like, ah, that's, that's good. Like you have a product. Like most founders don't even have a product that you can use. You have mm. one mm. and you have, I know your skill set. You could do everything else. Like mm. you could be the solo unicorn founder. So that was Monday. Sunday is when that sermon happened. Mm. Now I'm convinced. So I go back mm. to her. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. She's like, go, go for it. Mm. Keep me informed. Mm. Uh, next step is go get angels. And I did. I actually talked to my first angel, which was the creator of GitHub. He's a mm. co-founder. I'm like, you're the first check in that company. You know what I've done. Like you saw it close up early days. Uh, can I give you a pitch of what I'm doing? Cause I know you, you write checks. Um, so I gave him the pitch. He's like, Oh, this is interesting. We ran out of time. He had 45 minutes. We ran out of time. Cause he had so many questions. We met again for another 45 minutes. And he's like, yeah, you know, you've got a lot of information. Like you've got, you've definitely got the founder market fit. He ended up signing me the check. Hmm. First conversation gave me wow. $25,000. Wow. And I was like, Oh, cool. Excellent. And then I had more conversations and I would get checked. I got a couple, like quite a few no's from mm. people who were like me who mm. got funded or got uh, acquired or acquisition mm. stock and stuff like that. Just regular engineers. Uh, and a lot of folks just didn't get it. Like they didn't see the broader vision of like what I can accomplish. But when I started talking to like the founders and the CEOs of companies, they're like, mm. oh, yeah. So I ended up, long story short, like I spent two weeks. Uh, at the time, Maddie's mom actually had a stroke. So she had, she, she had to fly 
back to Florida. Wow. And I had to watch the kids for two weeks. Wow. And during that two weeks, um, I had VC calls between 9.30 a.m. and 11.30, which that's the window between daycare. Because um, our second child, Elsie, she's in daycare. It's only a half-day daycare. Mm-hmm. So I only had two and a half hours, two hours, to do all these VC calls. And I got them all in wow. for two weeks. Uh, so I ended up raising at that point over two hundred thousand dollars in those mm. two weeks. So mm. I was like, okay, we've got something here. People, mm. they might not be excited about the product itself, but they are excited about me. Mm. And that was very clear from that experience. Like, mm. no one cared. I had no co-founder. No one mm. cared how far along I was in the product. They just knew if I had the time, I have the vision. Mm. So a couple months later, I end up raising at this point nine hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. Wow! And uh, that's from some VCs and mostly angels. And I've been working on this problem, which is open source, for two months full time. Mm. And uh, we now have raised fifty thousand dollars in revenue, mm. and uh, hoping to raise quite a bit more in the next couple months. So mm. that I mean, everything I mentioned, like, there's definitely some like real sort of through lines of how I got here and mm. what I learned. Mm. And, and this really comes down to like once my world expanded, mm. I saw like the, the 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 saying the forest through the trees. I saw so much more. I sort mm. of like rose above. And could see exactly how everything's orchestrated, how the mm. how the game is being played. Mm. Brian's story is both moving and inspirational. It touches you in the depths of your heart, but it should also open your mind to new possibilities. Brian's education was in finance, but he found his home in software development. That pivot changed everything. Is there a pivot that needs to happen in your life? And if so, what are you waiting for? Bless up.